This is the People's Podcast with Anthony Zambito and Lucy Chan. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to the latest edition of the People's Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Zambito, and with me, as always, is my co-host, last name Chan, first name Lucy. Totally butchered that introduction, but ladies and gentlemen, Lucy Chan. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Happy to see you. Well, I shouldn't say see you, but happy to have you guys on, on board this episode. Yes, yes, I'm happy that everybody, it's been a while since we recorded actually, so I'm excited, I can't wait to hear this on Spotify, and the reason why I'm so excited is because this podcast episode, we don't have a guest, our guest is each other, we're going to have ourselves a conversation, we are going to talk about everything that's going on in Canada right now, and for those of you listening, you know, there's a lot happening right now, needless to say. Yes, there's an incredible amount that's happening, but unfortunately, our media is not really covering it. No, they're not. Over in Ukraine. Yeah, exactly. COVID is over. Everybody's eyes are on Ukraine right now. It is so frustrating to see. But that being said, there is some crazy stuff that's happening in Ukraine right now. By the way, for those listening, today is March 16th. So that's where we are in the world right now. Um, For those who don't know or who've been living under a rock, Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, And our Canadian mainstream media is just doing the absolute worst job of covering it and it's been frustrating to find the truth on the whole situation um is it a surprise or a shock that they're they're doing an atrocious job like i mean i their go-to mode is doing an absolute untruthful atrocious job yeah when i say the mainstream media like canadian mainstream media it's all western mainstream media in general i mean so many stories that have come out of ukraine have been debunked with 48 hours um the snake island incident where they talked about uh, Ukrainian soldiers getting bombed by the Russian Navy. That never happened. The ghost of Kiev, from what I understand, he does not exist. Um, yeah, it's just been, uh, from what I understand, it's just been propaganda. And the thing that I don't like about the mainstream media is that they are pushing a political narrative that everything's Russia's fault and Ukraine is completely innocent. Now, what are your thoughts on that? I think you're completely right. And they're not talking about the vast history between Russia and Ukraine and also Russian interference, not Russian, Western interference with Ukraine and Russia as well, that they're not talking about it, that a lot of this, believe it or not, is Obama's fault. Obama and Biden, when they staged a coup in Ukraine in 2014, um, when when the Ukrainians elected a pro-Russia leader, and then they ousted him and put in a pro-Western uh, leader. And, you know, Vladimir Putin was not happy about that. But the thing is, nobody's talking about the vast history between Russia and Ukraine, why Vladimir Putin feels the way he feels about Ukraine, why many Russian, many not Russians, many Ukrainians actually side with Russia, with, uh, Russia. why, um, you know, why the Ukraine has been such a, cesspool and a spot for mass corruption and money laundering and you know people they're they're not telling the whole truth i'm not saying that putin is a good guy far from it i believe the two years ago he put in law that a man is or a spouse is allowed to beat his wife oh my god and it was illegal i'm like well uh mm, and also he is a cold-hearted killer he is you know a bit of a dictator Mm -hmm. uh and and there are many, many questionable things that he's done, killed journalists, maybe have poisoned his opponents, uh, not the biggest fan of his. But we have to, instead of just painting him as this really dark man, in many ways he is, we have to understand why he did what he did and how he feels the way he feels. And also many U- Russian Ukrainians, uh, many people who are Ukrainians who side with Russia are actually, I wouldn't say okay with this, but they understand why this is happening. So, I mean, this is a very layered and textured topic and we need to, uh, I don't think that the media has done its due diligence to try and teach people the history and the truth between those two countries. Yeah, I I agree with that 100%. Like people don't understand the long and enduring history that both countries have had with one another. Uh, in addition to that, people don't understand the modern history. What led to the current confrontation that we have now? 
it's not like everything was sunny and rainbows in Ukraine and then one day the Russian bombs just dropped. No, it w- this was a conflict eight years into the making. Um, going back to, it, it basically from what I can gather, the, it mainly started in 2014. Uh, like like you said, um, you know, with uh, the pro-Russian president, I think his name was Yanukovych, he got ousted and then through a winter revolution, if you want visualization on that there's a great film on netflix it's called winter on fire ukraine's fight for freedom now i'm not saying all the information in this documentary is accurate but it'll give you an idea on what took place in 2014 that led to Zelensky taking power um and then the another big thing that strikes me with ukraine is all the corruption that is like you know between ukraine and the united states government yes yeah like you said um you know, what's happening in Ukraine is Obama's fault. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hilarious because the mainstream media kept painting Donald Trump as the Russian asset. But Putin never invaded any countries uh, under their supposed Russian asset, Donald Trump. They yeah. only invade Ukraine under Obama and Biden. Why is that? Yeah, he uh, because first thing, Biden is a geriatric. He should be an old age home eating jello pudding pops and making, you know, macaroni necklaces for his grandchildren. Uh, first thing, that's I think that's the reason why he, he did not respect and was not fearful of the leadership of the United States. Like, honestly, if um, Biden was across the street, some teenage hoodlum would just, you know, push him. Like, they, if he was just a regular Joe, like, he, he does not strike fear, he does not strike respect or um, admiration. Uh, so I think that's one of the reasons why. But um, why did he, he not... Why did Putin not invade while Trump was in office? I think many reasons. You know, Trump said that I will bomb Moscow if you do. Um, also, I don't think, I think all the, I was going to say all the, um, well, what's the word? All the, not all the places, but during Trump's term, NATO was encroaching more and more into Ukraine. I think that's one of the things that really, really set off Putin. He warned about this, like, you know, in 2014, 2000, even before that, 2008, 2010, he was talking about this. This is like, the more you encroach, the more you, you know, I will take, you know, I will take action one day. Like, this is not good. We do not want this. And I think, you know, because Trump was in office and also because NATO was and the West was encroaching on uh, the Ukraine, Putin had enough. He's, he saw his window. He saw a weak America. He saw what happened with Afghanistan. I'm like, who the hell leaves $85 billion with a, a grade A equipment, a military equipment in the arms of the Taliban? Like who does that? Honestly, who does that? No, I don't even think a 12 year old would figure would be like, no, we got we, that. No, that's dangerous. We got to bring this home or that's our property we got to take that home he's i think and then he goes you know what this is my time and i'm gonna i'm gonna hit it while it's hot that's and he's a strategic man he's a a calculated man that from whatever all the interviews that i've watched from him in the past three weeks and also people who have interviewed him megan kelly is a great person to check out uh you can check her on youtube she talks about her um time because she interviewed him for three three times and for lengthy periods of time, like you know, for two three hours. So she's gotten gotten to a little bit uh, more, gotten to know the psyche of, of Putin more than most Western uh, reporters. And apparently, he seemed to like her. I also think he seems to like pretty blonde women. Go figure. But uh, which Russian doesn't? Yeah, what Russian? What Russian man doesn't? Exactly. But yeah, she kept on saying though he's not a madman. Because everybody in the media is now is painting him as this madman who just wants to rebuild the Soviet uh, glory days. You know, mm-hmm. I put that in quotation, the glory days. But he's like, no, she, he is a calculated, well thought out, you know, strategic man. He is former KGB. He will he does not make a move without thinking about it from every single angle. Mm-hmm. And so he, she was she said that you have to wonder and think, why did he do this? Because he knew all these sanctions were gonna come in. He knew all this blowback was gonna come in. Why was it so important for him to do this and to do this now? 
So I think that's something also the media is not talking about. I Again, I don't like Vladimir Putin. I don't think he's a good man. I don't think I would not like to have him at dinner by myself at a restaurant. I would have to have a bunch of other people as well. I, I mean, but, you know, there is a thought process behind it and it's not a crazy madman. It's a it's a cold man, a man who loves Russia and a man who is incredibly calculated and well thought out. And also he has survived four elections. He has he has survived the KGB. He survived the the um, Soviet Union falling apart. This man is a survivor and there and, and he got to where he was through his wits you know, through his, uh, through his mind. And so, and, and so he's not, he's not just some random who's nuts. There's, there's a mechanic. There's a, there's a thought going on behind. Yeah. Him. Like, I think he thinks meticulously, like you said, I think he is cold as well. Like, let's not forget Putin won't think twice about crushing political dissident. We've seen him do it in the past. We're seeing him do it now with uh, anti-war protesters in St. Petersburg, as well as in Moscow. But he is uh, ex-KGB. And another thing to remember, too, is that he has a lot of experience conducting wars. As the president or the prime minister of Russia, <clears throat> he's gone into Chechnya multiple times. Uh, I believe they invaded Georgia at one point, not to mention yes. Russian troops are helping in Syria. Uh, and in 2014, yeah, the Russians backed, uh, you know, the, the Russian Ukrainians in Crimea. Uh, I think the big trigger for all of this uh, happening, so... After the 2014 winter uprising that led to the Zelensky presidency, um, there are many Russians who live in Ukraine, especially in the eastern part, as well as in Crimea. And, you know, they basically wanted to create their own Russian Republic. They see themselves closer to Russia than they do with uh, with Ukraine. So at the end of February, don't quote me, I want to say February 23rd. Uh, Russia announced that they would be recognizing two republics that are claiming sovereignty inside Ukraine's territory. Uh, Ukraine is just absolutely not having any of it. Uh, these two republics in the Donbass region are claiming that they're, you know, it's justified. They don't want to be part of Ukraine. And you have people like Putin, as well as Russia today, talking about how the Ukrainians uh, are Nazis and they've been murdering residents of the Donbass for being politically dissident. So there are a lot of nuances to this conflict. I think Putin is aware of all of them. He's been strategic militarily up until this point, and he's also been strategically uh, maneuvering in the propaganda realm as well. What do you think about that? Lucy? I think so. I think I completely agree with you. And that's also, we also have to tell our audience that, you know, during the World War II, the, Germany made a deal with Ukraine to, uh, and Russia has never ever forgotten it. Oh yeah, what's Russia's this deal? Never, I, I pardon? What's this deal? Sorry, I might not even know about it. Oh, I I can't remember. I, I watched you talked about a uh, a documentary. Well, there's another documentary about the Ukraine called Ukraine on Fire by Oliver Stone, the okay. Oscar-winning director, and it was actually banned last week from YouTube, even though it was on YouTube since 2014, uh, they took it off. And now you could you could find it on Rumble for, for our audience. I will put the link to that video or to that documentary in our uh, description for this episode. Mm -hmm. But they were talking about how, you know, for since World War Two, you know, there has been growing Nazi movements in Ukraine for since, since then. And mm -hmm. it, it, they have been growing, they have been <clears throat> causing lots of problems. And also they've been causing lots of problems for Russia as well, not just um, killing and, uh, and terrorizing Russians who are in the Ukraine, but also uh, Russians in general, just like, you know, and they've been causing a lot of problems. And it's a really, really twisted, long history, you know, coups, uh, people who were part of the neo-Nazi leadership of, of Ukraine, you know, getting in jail and stuff like that. It's very, very long. It's, but unfortunately, the cold hard truth is that there are a lot of neo-Nazi members of the opposition in the Ukraine government. And that's something that Vladimir Putin does not like. And also you have to remember what the 
uh, Nazis did to Vladimir Putin's family uh, during World War II. So, so people, people don't talk about that. I'm learning about that now. You know, he, there's a reason why he is the way he is. I mean, I'm, I think one thing that me and Vladimir Putin could agree on is that we don't like Nazis. <laughs> um, I'm sure you can also agree that caviar is the most delicious food in the world. It's my favorite. Actually, it's my favorite, one of my <laughs> favorite foods in the entire world. I actually Instagram it all the time. I, I'm, I Instagram it often. Um, and I actually have a new recipe for caviar. Anyways. <laughs> Good to know. I'm sure you can share that with Putin yeah, one day. But, once you get uh, on the podcast. Yeah, but uh, Vladimir Putin has said that one of the reasons why he's going into Ukraine is trying to get those Nazis out. Yep. Yep. I heard about that, too. I don't yeah. think like they're trying to make it look like Russia is just pummeling uh, through Ukraine to get to Kiev. But I don't think that's happening. I don't. <laughs> from what I can understand, it looks like there have been civilian casualties in this conflict, but I don't see the Russians actually targeting civilians. Uh, it, it looks more like they're trying to target elements of the government and trying to, you know, basically like I think Russia's goal in this situation is regime change. Because Zelensky, the current leader of Ukraine, you know, he's not backing down without a fight. Like, I don't see him leaving Ukraine unless he's dragged out. Um, mm -hmm. I think that it would be much more like, like, and I'm not the president of Ukraine, but these are my humble opinions. I think it would be more beneficial for his country to negotiate peace with Russia rather than remaining hostile and rather than urging the uh, NATO to come to their defense. Um, because yeah. I'm sure you and I agree. Uh, we're on the same page with this, you know, NATO escalation in the Ukrainian conflict, you know, has the potential to lead to an escalated nuclear war between superpowers. And that kind of segues me into the, the next topic that I wanted to talk about. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on Canada and our response to Ukraine? I think our response has been a horrible response. I think that we should stay out of it, but we're not going to stay out of it. I think that Trudeau is using his bot media to try to whip us up into uh, a frenzy and, and wanting to get into a war with Ukraine. We do not have the mil military capabilities for that. Uh, economically, we are not capable. Well, we, we are not in a place for that. And I also think that the, one of the reasons why that Trudeau is going so hard into it is that I think he has, just like Nancy Pelosi, just like Biden, just like uh, Mitt Romney, Hillary, they have some sort of vested, probably financial, maybe more interest in what is happening with Ukraine and the survival of Ukraine. Um, again, I don't know everything, but when you have people like George Soros saying that we need to protect Ukraine, tweeting that out, you have to wonder, you have to wonder why these dark, evil, sinister people who have no, who have no sympathy and who have to, uh, meaning that they have no sympathy in destroying people's lives and whole societies and cultures, they have no sympathy. And why would they want to protect this place when they are literally destroying Western culture and Western societies, Western cities, like George Soros funds money, um, funds and helps funds Antifa. That's the rumor that allegedly, you know, he helps funds um, uh, attorney generals that are very light on crime in left states. So you're having, you know, cities like Los Angeles, you know, somebody who has murdered somebody get a, get a slap on the wrist or get a thousand dollar bail you know, yeah. when they should literally be locked up and the key should be thrown away. Like you have to wonder and you have to be suspicious as to why someone like that is wanting this place to be safe and protected. And you also have to wonder why our prime minister is on along for that ride. I don't have the answers. I'm questioning everything, but it is highly suspicious and everybody should have their spidey sense on. That that is the word right there. Everything that is happening, um, it is suspicious. Um, especially the Canadian government's response to what's happening in Ukraine. Um, I don't like how we are fully fledging our support. I don't I don't like the way uh I don't like the rhetoric that you know Putin is the bad guy, Ukraine was just minding its own business. I don't appreciate how it and rather I think it's funny 
that two weeks ago, when the trucker convoy made their way to Ottawa, the Conservatives and the Liberals were at each other's throats. You had Pierre Polyev speaking up about how, you know, the Liberals need to reopen the economy and everything like that. And they were, they were just going at it. Now that Russia's invaded Ukraine, everyone's friends again. You know, leave yeah. it to war. Leave it, leave it for a military conflict to unite the two most establishment parties in Canada. And also not just Pierre, it's also the the, uh, the interim leadership of the Conservative Party, Candace Bergman or Bergen or whatever her name yeah, is. Yeah, did, didn't she, she say that she wants Canada to enforce a no-fly zone over Ukraine? Yeah, yeah, she said something like that in Parliament today. And I was just like, yo, no-fly zone will trigger World War III. They, people are wanting World War III and, and you know, there has been enough suffering and death this past two years. There's been enough turmoil that has been in this world. We should, you know, be as Canadians, be peacekeepers. So the idea of going into war and going and having a no fly zone, which will trigger a, a, a bigger response, possibly, you know, nuclear response is not the Canadian way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think that Canada should have a rule. I think that all nations in the world should have a rule. If politicians or if a head of state decides to go to war, the first person to enlist has to be their kids. 100%. Bergen, as well as Trudeau and all of these politicians, they are sounding the war alarms, but it's not them that's going to go fight. It's not their kids that's going to go fight. It's going to be people of our generation who have no business fighting in a conflict uh, thousands of miles away that they might not even understand fully. And that we don't care about either. Yeah. Like the way I see it, our politicians are inviting such actions to take place. If a no-fly go zone goes up, Rush, like Putin, will not be happy about it. No, he would not be happy about it. Yeah. Um. And no, they want they want this, and you have to understand. Uh, you have to wonder why this goes against, you know, the history of Canada. We generally don't go into wars until unless we are literally provoked. Unless something like in World War II, when Britain was invaded, we went to war because you know our the Commonwealth was invaded. Well, it was a little bit. Germany invaded Poland. Britain and France declared war. Canada declared war about four days after. But like literally, yeah, like, you know, Her Majesty, the Commonwealth. Yeah, they, they were absolutely bombarded. And if it wasn't for Canadians, the Battle of Britain might have been lost because some of the best pilots out there were uh, were Canucks. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you know, we we went because they when they declared war, because Britain knew that they were going to the Germans were coming after them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that, and that's when then we're just like and we knew that they were coming after them and we're just like, we got to protect the motherland. Mm -hmm. And so we off to where we went. Uh, but save the king. Yeah, you have to. And so, you know, but Ukraine's not hitting. They're not going after any Commonwealth countries. They're not they're not launching a missile into, you know, Newfoundland. It's, you know, this they're not invading us. I remember a couple last week when there's a, there was a clip that went viral from a UFC fighter and they asked him about what his thoughts were about Ukraine he's like dude I don't know but what I will say is that it, that's you know there's some corrupt stuff going on with Biden and Hunter Biden and stuff like yeah. that and he goes I don't know what's going on so I don't really want to give a comment about that but he's like I don't want to go and fight for some politician which yeah. was really, he said, I didn't want to fight for some politician. However, if somebody invades can if um, invades um, America, he's like, I will stay here and fight. I will fight till I die. I will fight for the people I love, the nation I love, the way I of life that I that I love, and I will die fighting. But they will have to invade us. I'm not going over to fighting a war for some for politicians. He's like, yeah, I will yeah. fight. Like, same thing with me. I, I will fight if somebody, like, I don't know, if North Korea launched a missile. I'm like, okay, we're going. We're going to war. They launched a missile and landed in, you know, Vancouver Island. I'll be like, okay, that's it. We're at what, war. Let me ask you this question, just a brain teaser. What if North Korea shot a war into Canada, into, like, Nunavut, just a random uninhabited island? Is that still war-worthy? It is. It, 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 unfortunately, it is. It is. It's, <laughs> a, it's a dick move. It's a dick move. It's a dick move. It's a dick move. He's just like, hey, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, me. Look just what. Look at the toys yeah. I got. My 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 button is bigger than yours. You know that type of situation. Yeah, it's a dick move. But you still gotta go to war because they they did that. Even if they only killed like you know seven moose, you're like, yo, the man, those are freaking <laughs> those, those are our moose. moose. You don't touch you know? our moose. Don't North you Korea. dare freaking touch our moose. That moose was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
Um, Maybe on board. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, what I think is that it, this is a war that polit our politicians want. And also not just our politicians, but if you look across the border, you know, basically every single person in the Senate and in Congress is like, war, war, yeah. war. I'm like, you have to wonder who's funding this, like who's, who's changing their minds. Like there's some, uh, it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, and they want it. None, none of us yeah. want it. We're like, we, we just want to, we just want to get COVID over with. And we watch, we just want to go and live our lives. And we just want to go to the mall without, yeah. you know, a mask on. That's what we want. Yeah, before focusing on a no-fly zone in Ukraine, how about we acknowledge the fact that millions of Canadians are living under a no-fly zone right now in our country? And again, yeah. our politicians cannot unite over that, but we can unite over wanting to bomb Russia, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I can't help but laugh sometimes. Um, another thing worth mentioning too, so um, the whole, the whole like, Ukraine was tied with the whole Trump impeachment scandal, whatever the heck you want to make of that, too. Like, I'm really wondering, like, you know, how deep is the corruption between Biden and the Burismas, you know? Um, and I'm wondering if after this conflict is over, if we're going to see some some new information revealed about what's been happening in Ukraine. Remember, Biden, Hunter Biden is still under investigation in, the, uh, in Ukraine, if I'm not mistaken. Like, that is still ongoing. I believe so with Burisma. Like he, yeah, he got a cushy job like making yeah. over a hundred thousand dollars a year or so, not a year, a month and for again, a job like, that he was no not qualified for. He knows nothing about minerals and oil and none of that stuff. And yeah, they want to send people like you and I to go defend, you know, Hunter Biden to defend uh, companies like Burisma. I'm sorry, but like, why should I defend your your corruption? And in addition to all of this, too, let's remember. Um, Israel airstruck Syria, uh, Saudi Arabia launched an airstrike against Yemen. Um, Iraq and Pakistan have been having conflicts too. Apparently missiles shot into Pakistan. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of conflicts happening in the world right now, but the TV, the radio, all they're talking about is Ukraine. That always like that really cheeses me because why is this conflict more important than what's happening in Yemen? Why is it that, you know, you know, a death in Ukraine is more important than a death in Yemen. Makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's no money to be made in places like Yemen, so it's not worth discussing. That's what I. Yeah, think. and there's also the, probably Yemen doesn't have doesn't bleed with corruption the way Ukraine does. They, there's be, obviously, yeah. I mean, there's also let's also remind our audience that last week the, the discovery of at least twenty five bio labs, bio weapons, but you know, uh, yeah. discovered when it was literally. A few weeks before that, everybody called, who said that was called a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. And it looks like the U.S. had, uh, yeah, there, there's a bunch here. There is a bunch. Um, U.S. Embassy removes links on 15 Ukrainian biolabs. Looks like they're trying to cover up here real quick. But I suppose. Oops. That was my phone. Yeah, what's in those bio labs? And those also obviously Putin targeted those bio labs. He wants those. Yeah, a hundred percent. Who knows what they were making inside there? Um, I'm just trying to read through this article here to see if I can confirm anything that I've heard. But essentially, from what I understand, it was the CIA's shell company. Uh, I think they're called Equal Health Alliance that was managing these bio labs. And the Russian government is straight up saying that they were going to be used to create, you know, deadly toxins like anthrax. Um, and the concern with a lot of people is that an agent like anthrax could have stemmed from these bio labs and, you know, hurt the people of Ukraine or somewhere in the world. Um, you know, kind of initializing a false flag event. I, I don't know what my thoughts are on that situation. I haven't read it personally deep enough. But it is interesting nonetheless, because it's just one more topic on this Ukrainian conflict that isn't being discussed. And it's also highly suspicious. Why are there 25 bio labs that are also, that are apparently American labs as well? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. I mean, I feel like every country should only really need like one, two, maybe three, depending on your population. And why is America having their hands in there? 
Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. And then and, and Putin's probably going, yeah, why the F is America having biolabs in literally right across right right across the, the border from us as well? Yeah. Like why why did like literally right next door to me? Like, why yeah. do they have this? I mean, any any nation would be like, if I see suspicious activity that you know may jeopardize my nation, this and the people of my nation, any papa bear, you mm. know, <laughs> would would be like, would be like, nope, we're taking that out. We don't want that here. Yep. A hundred percent. Um, you know, just think about it like this. Imagine if your neighbor was having a fire and that fire was growing too big, well, are you just going to allow for it to continue growing? Or at what point are you going to get involved and actually try to put out the fire, save your neighbor as well as your own territory? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's Sorry, like, yeah, I mean, again, I, I don't want this war in Ukraine. I don't, I, you know, I didn't, I don't want Putin to be really invading it. I wish this never, ever happened. I wish the 2014 coup never, ever happened, you know, but we're here. And this is, this is what happens when, you know, you have actions like that. It's, and it's just, you know, nobody knows the truth and I wish I could find the truth more, but it's, you can't trust the mainstream media and even the the other alternative media that we're getting, it's little bits here and there and you really can't piece it all together. And that's what's really frustrating. And what's also really frustrating is that no one's talking about stuff that's happening in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, our media is not talking about all the bills that are going to, that are in the Senate right now that are literally going to destroy this country. And you know what? That is actually a great segue because believe it or not, this podcast, we really touched upon Canadian politics. Uh, I believe it's called Bill uh, C-223, something like that. Uh, yeah. Literally, the government is trying to institute universal basic income right under our noses. Bill C-233. Yeah. And there's also another there's also another bill, for the pre the, the pre hate crime bill. And also the, the censorship bill is back from last year when it was squashed. You know, we had a. Uh, eight month uh pause on that and then trudeau even though it was squashed trudeau has brought it back he will not give it up he wants to censor online content that is that he deems offensive i know how dare he he's not a dictator maybe yeah exactly yeah he's basically he Bill C-233 requires vaccination to receive Canada Pension Plan. If that's yeah. true, then Trudeau is literally forcing people to get inoculated with a vaccine that isn't proven to work in mm-hmm. order to receive government money. Now, how is that fair for anybody? That is kind of, that's kind of fascist. It's kind of dicta- dictatorial. Crushing yeah, dissidents in Canada, that's never happened before. Not like this. Yeah. And also, you have to, you have to get the shot. And even though you already paid into it, say you're you're a 72 year old person and you've been paying into your pension and Social Security, your EI, whatever it is, your entire adult life, you've been paying taxes your entire adult life. And say you can't get the jab because your doctor told you, you know, it's or you just don't want to because you discovered that it has over 1200 adverse side effects to it including death. And you're like, no, I don't want to do this. But now you can't get the money that you've worked for all your life yeah. for it. How fair is that? Yeah, no, that's, that, that's not fair at all. Like, you got to think like, we're the ones that are paying into these systems. Why isn't it available for everybody? Um, you're not allowed to discriminate based on any other grounds. I don't want to live in a country where anybody discriminates, uh, you know, against anybody. Um, yet here we are in Canada, the land of the free and the home of the woke. Mm-hmm. And yeah. nobody's talking about it. And nobody's talking about as well how yeah. okay. I have permit- emailed my all the senators. I emailed all the, I emailed all the senators. I think I will do it again. I'll get my husband to do it. I just wrote a simple email saying that you know all of these bills see you know twenty two thirty three and the yep. the, the um, censorship bill. You know, like it's basically saying you know my family fled from communism. I'm a you know I'm a child of refugees. And, you know, what these bills are, are communism. That's what they are. And you're Great. going to, you're destroying a free country. by if you, if you pass these bills through the Senate, it will become law. So it you Trudeau yeah. can't say I'm not breaking the law now, even though not all laws are, you know, lawful, not all laws are moral. It would be killing commerce as we know it, and it would be centralizing economic power uh, as well as political power in the hands of the current ruling government. Uh, That is a scary situation to be in. Um, 
And another huge thing that people aren't talking about right now is how COVID mandates haven't been lifted in, in all areas. Like we hear provinces like Alberta, Saskatchewan, Ontario, they've lifted, you know, uh, their vaccine uh, mandates. They've lifted as well. Their, uh, some of them have even listed their mask mandates, but there are still companies in Ontario that are enforcing vaccine mandates. There are still uh, municipalities that are enforcing it. Uh, if you take a look at the town of Orangeville's website, if you want to apply for one of their vacant positions, they will ask that you're fully vaccinated. Now, how is that fair? How is that fair for uh, you know a high school student trying to find a summer job or a university student coming back uh, that they have to go undergo something like this? So there's still a lot of work to be done in Canada, which is why I think it's about time that we stop talking about Ukraine and start a cleaning house here. Mm -hmm. And also, the unvaccinated cannot fly. Yeah. They cannot board a plane or a train in this country. And it is in our charter of rights. We have the freedom of mobility and we and they cannot do that. And you know, those people cannot. It's absolutely wrong. I know that there's two lawsuits going to the Supreme Court regarding that. One from the one the, the last surviving uh, member who wrote the Charter of Rights, Bill yes. Pickerton yeah. or something like that. And the I think former, the former premier of New Newfoundland. Yeah, and also Maxime Bernier, I believe, is also has filed a lawsuit for the Supreme Court for the 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 mobility rights as well. I think I could. I don't think I'm wrong about that, or maybe I am wrong. Well, regardless, you know what? I think it's a good start. I mean, people often ask me, "What do these lawsuits do?" I'm not going to lie. For the past two years, I've been hearing lawsuits out the wazoo. There's a lot. Everybody's getting sued right now. Um, very seldom do I hear of cases actually coming back and setting a solid precedent across the board, uh, which is which has been fr frustrating for me. Um, it, it's almost the same thing as filling out a petition, I feel like, you know, it's great that we're able to get so many signatures, but very seldom does it have an impactful um, impact. <laughs> well, yeah, when you have an agenda, when your agenda is set, nothing is going to move you. You're you are a freight train. Exactly. And you're going to continue your set, you know, you kind of adopt tunnel vision. Yeah. And um, basically any dissenting opinion, you know, that'd be critical of what's going on, that'd be critical against vaccine mandates and all that stuff. It just gets pushed to the side. It's gets it's you get plowed through. That's what basically yep. is you're plowed through. Yep, um, yep. But I do. I, I, I wonder if if uh, those two lawsuits will have an effect on it. It'll, it'll be interesting. Maybe we'll see how corrupt our uh, our Supreme Court is as well. Yep, that's. If, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they were just as ridiculously woke as the rest of the country, mm -hmm. of the Not rest of the government, rather. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many issues. I mean, we're also going, let's talk about the carbon tax. Let's talk about um, the the price of gas in this country. The inflation is at 5.9 um, yep. cents. Also, the, the price of the average price of a house now is eight hundred and thirty thousand dollars no uh, most people can't afford that and this is, is all it? under the trudeau government like if this is what's really frustrating for our generation for everybody you know uh who's wondering we're all younger we're all 40 and under so mm -hmm. that makes us millennials or gen z zeros whatever you want to call us but you know when trudeau got when he got elected in 2015, the price, the average price of a house was $450,000 or around there. That was the yep. average price. If it was, if that happened, if that was still here in 2022, we will be like, great, we can all afford a house. We could, you know, it may not be a mansion. It may not be a McMansion, but we could afford a 1600 square foot house with a backyard, you yes. know, raise two kids, you know, it, you know, and we'll be content. It'll be livable. It's definitely, you know, but we can do that. Now it's $830,000 and the price, because of inflation, because of all this stuff, our wages haven't met up to that price mm. increase. And so people cannot afford homes. People and people in our generation, particularly, will, uh, you know, are wondering why, but yet we keep on electing the same people who are, are destroying mm. our dreams and our future. Yes. Um... Yeah, no, that, that's what happens when you vote for one of the establishment parties, whether it be the liberals, whether it be the conservatives. Uh, for those of you who are listening who actually don't live in Toronto or Ontario, like, you know, Lucy's not exaggerating. The price of homes have skyrocketed 
In Toronto, it's really bad. Montreal, I heard, is getting awful. Uh, Vancouver has been awful for years. You know, the average price of a home in a place like Vancouver is well over a million dollars. And, you know, it sounds like a lot of money, but just to put it into perspective, I'm from a, a GTA town, like, you know, on, just outside of Toronto called Bolton. Let me tell you that there is nobody my age who is able to afford a house in Bolton. We were born and raised here. We can't even afford to live here anymore. Uh, the classic term is gentrification. Um, you know, we're being pushed out of, you know, Toronto into remote, more remote areas of Ontario. There are some people going as far away as New Brunswick and, and Saskatchewan in order to find homes. Uh, you can buy, if you go on realtor.ca right now, you will see that there are $80,000 houses, three bedroom, two bathroom all throughout Saskatchewan, all throughout Manitoba, all throughout Atlantic Canada. Um, meanwhile, in Toronto, you're lucky to find a similar house like that for less than $900,000. Yeah. Yeah. It is bad. It is bad. It is really, really bad. And the cost and, of living has gone up. Wages haven't gone out either. So it's harder yeah, to save too. Yeah. Everything has gone up and the wages haven't gone up. And this has all been under the Trudeau government. And which is what, what what's I find, I don't, I used to find it aggravating. Now I find it infuriating. People complain about they don't have a future, that they can't afford, um, you know, food nowadays. I mean, they can't afford anything nowadays, but yet they keep on voting for the same thing. I'm like, yep. insanity. The definition of insanity is doing the exact same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. Yeah, Canadians really need to wake up in terms of how they think. We need a cultural reevaluation on on what is leading us to 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 vote the way we do, act the way we do. Because it's funny, the same people that complain, for instance, uh, that they can't afford groceries, they will rely on skip the dishes for five days a week. I'm not saying everybody who's like that, but there's, there's, uh, you know, Canadians need to get their act together. Mm -hmm. Particularly yeah. people in Toronto. I have to say there's, you know, I know that you work in Toronto. I live in Toronto and I have to say my coworkers, I, I, I don't understand where they're coming from. I, my, many people that I, that I know, you know, people 40 and under, I don't understand where their mindset is, you know, mm -hmm. and they literally, my one of my coworkers, who I actually think it, it, it deep down is a good guy, but I just think he's been so brainwashed. Mm. Him and his wife are looking for a new place because they have a, a, a young child now. They have a small two bedroom home, but I mean, they are looking to have another child, or even if they don't have another child, having a two bedroom home is really really difficult yep. when you have a child, yep. and you know, and they they go they can't afford anything. They can't afford, but yet he still votes for Judmeet Singh and for uh, Trudeau. Canada, and I'm, and I'm just like, and I'm just like, don't, but the, but don't you look at the numbers and they're like, and, and, you know, sometimes I will bring up something like, you know, what Justin did with the liberals did with the, the concentration camps. He's like, yeah, that's right. He did that. I'm like, that's right. He wore blackface, you know, that's right. He groped a, a female, uh, you know, reporter or journalist. Oh, that's right. He did kick out that, uh, indigenous woman in his cabinet and treat her like garbage he tried to force her to break the law all oh, right then there was that black woman that he in his cabinet that he uh used as a pawn he's i'm like yeah he keeps on doing all these things and yet you're and you can't afford anything but yet you keep on voting for him and i feel like saying to him are you fucking nuts <laughs> yeah like you said uh you know the definition of insanity is repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Um, you know, Canada, we inherit the government that we ultimately vote for. So, it, you know, the longer people stay asleep and continue these patterns, the, the worse things are going to get. Um, let's also remind people, in case you don't know, Justin Trudeau, since he's been prime minister, has doubled the Canadian debt. So, and Lucy, you can't see her right now. She's shaking her head. Um, it is one thing to add on to a debt, uh, you know, to a debt total, but to absolutely double it. Um, what he's done, he hasn't made Canada any wealthier. What he's done is he has passed along the buck to our generation and the generation to come after. Those taxes still need to get paid. Debtors eventually knock on the door asking for payment. And if we don't deal with it, our kids are going to have to deal with it. If they don't deal with it, the grandkids are going to have to deal with it. But guess who doesn't have to deal with that massive debt that Justin Trudeau created? Justin Trudeau, lucky guy.
Yeah. Yeah. And this money here, we got to remember too, a lot of it is being printed. Canada is not gaining wealth, you know, uh, at a massive scale. When you think about countries like China, for instance, we, we're pretty stagnant. And mm -hmm. a lot of this money is coming from, from printed uh, printed money. And it's just going to continue adding to inflation. Yeah. And also, let's also remind our audience that the foreign investments in Canada have dropped. They haven't not just stagnated. They have dropped. Foreign investors do not want to invest in Canada. I recall a quote a few years ago from Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, who knows a thing about too about investing, said that Canada was not a good place to invest. Yeah, I heard about that too. Um, we actually lost our AAA credit status um, a few years ago, I believe before uh, COVID happened. What that means essentially is that um, investors can take a look at that and think that Canada isn't perfect when it comes, like your, your investment isn't 100% guaranteed in Canada based on government stability. And mm -hmm. it's true, yeah. It's true. Uh, Justin Trudeau will have no issue canceling project if it doesn't fit his politically woke agenda. Yeah. Yeah. And and also let's just let's just go back to like three weeks ago, which seems like forever. But with the freezing of the assets for the people of the convoy who support the convoy, so yes. people around the world are going to be like, okay, so say you know I'm not I I'm woke, but you know I have a teenager who runs my social media accounts, and they tweet out something that's not woke. And that, so what it was Justin Trudeau going to do? I don't like that tweet. And I'm just, I'm going to um, cut up a freezer assets here in Canada. And those yeah. assets are now mine. For those of you who think that Lucy is going overboard here or over exaggerating, let's remember we are still under an emergency situation. Um, so we're, we are still under the, the, um, the, you know, the, the bindings of the, the emergency act. So Justin Trudeau wants to do these things. Technically speaking, he has the political power to do so. The moral power, or sorry, the morality to do so, definitely not. But he has the the means to basically act like a dictator if he wants to. Yeah, and so what foreign, what fo uh, what foreign investor, what foreign uh, entrepreneur would like to come here under all under all that's happening here in Canada, and also the fact that we have some of the highest regulations, some of mm -hmm. the highest taxes as well, and we're also only 30, 30 million when it comes to population. We're not China. We don't have over a billion people. We're not India. We don't have over a billion people. We're a very small market. We're small peanuts. And so mm -hmm. you're, what you're doing is you keep on making it harder and harder and harder. And so, you know, why would anybody go, why, why risk it for this biscuit? This biscuit ain't good. It's dry. It's exactly. dry. It's, you know, why, why should I do it? So I'm just, I'm going to hop over to someplace else that's a lot more friendlier and where I could be, I wouldn't say guarantee a return on your investment, but you know, because you can never, ever truly guarantee that, but it's a lot safer risk. Yeah, exactly. Like you'll have a better, uh, uh, a sense of relief knowing that the government isn't going to interfere with your business based on your uh, political affiliations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, again, that's something that people don't talk about. And then when I mention that to my friends and they're like, oh yeah, but then they're like, yeah, but you know, woke, woke. Honestly, they, mostly they just vote about wokeness. I'm like, but you're voting for a guy who's not woke at all, who has treated ethnic minority women in his cabinet, you know, horribly. They, he fired them. He had, you know, has groped female uh, journalists. I mean, where's the Me Too movement on that? You know, he's, but, you know, he called a Jewish woman in parliament, yep. a Nazi sympathizer who, who stands with people who hold swastikas and she's Jewish who yep. she's actually, she's the descendants of Holocaust survivors from Auschwitz. And he would not apologize. He was given three chances in parliament after he said what he said to apologize and he would not apologize. So in, is that anti-Semitic? Uh, anti I mean, what he's also, you know, his part, his uh, liberal party a few, um, three, four weeks ago, when a motion was passed to condemn blackface, they all didn't, they, they all denied it. So you can, you don't, yeah. you can't condemn blackface in parliament. I mean, that is, is that not racist? Like, so you're, they want to vote for people who are woke, but this person's not woke at all. Exactly, the exact opposite of woke. He is yeah. basically, he can get away with saying whatever he wants, no matter how racist or offensive it is. Um, and at the end of the day, when 
he always apologizes on behalf of Canada. When Justin Trudeau messes up, for instance, the blackface, he uses it as an opportunity to remind Canadians that there is systemic racism out there. Pay no attention to the fact that Justin Trudeau actually did a racist act. Pay attention to the fact that Canada and our history has a long history of systemic racism. I don't understand how that makes sense, but Justin Trudeau seems to play it off whenever he can. As an ethnic minority female myself who grew up poor, I have not experienced any systemic racism. I've experienced assholeism. I've experienced, I definitely experienced sexism. Um, I've experienced idiots, but I've not experienced systemic racism. I have experienced some racism from other people. I've experienced racism, get this people, from other ethnic minorities. That's something that people don't talk about, but no. other ethnic minorities treat other ethnic minorities like shit. There's yep. a lot of racism between a lot of ethnic minorities that nobody talks likes to talk about, but it's real. I can tell you, I've experienced it. But you know, in my in my life, I've not experienced systemic racism. I've um, not. I've experienced I ever, other stuff. Did I ever tell you the story about the one time I I, I went on an exchange once upon a time ago? I went to France and I befriended uh, you know uh, two Korean girl uh, Korean girls. One night we, we were going for a walk and, um, you know, I had asked them, hey, so what do Koreans think about Canadians? Her answer stuck with me. I still repeat it to this day. This lady told me, oh, Anthony, we think all the, the Canadian people, the British people, the Italian people, the Swedish people, we think all the white people look the same. And I could not stop laughing. I thought that was the funniest thing in the world because, you know, so often we get told, uh, the white people can see uh, different differentiations, and I think it's just consistent along all racial uh, all racial lines. You know? Yeah. 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 I don't take offense to it. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Just, it's just it's just a matter of fact. Sometimes you know you haven't you've never seen an Asian, and then you're just like, oh my goodness, all Asian girls have fair, pale skin, dark black hair. They all have these round little like doll like faces, and you know and they're but, all. But short. then you look. But then you look at the South Asian Pacific and it's completely different. Mm -hmm. But you're you're just like, yeah, I totally understand why some people will be like, yeah, many Asians, they look very similar. I'm like, in many ways we do. Um, There are differences. There's no question about that. But I mean, when you're talking from a generic broad sense, there there is, you know, know, we don't have blonde hair unless we dye it. (laughs) And it's a really hard dye that that peroxide is dries that hair out really badly. Um, but it, you know, you're born naturally with very dark brown or jet black hair, and you know the skin is generally m- much more fair. You know, you generally have slanted eyes. You generally have black eyelashes and eyebrows, and you know you generally are shorter, particularly if you're female. And so, you know, yeah, I I get it. What there's a you know, people go, we look very similar. I'm like, and that's with many cultures, though. I don't. I don't. Can I tell you what I think? I think that Canada started going downhill when racist jokes stopped being funny. Um, I remember prior to Justin Trudeau coming into office, like, you know, people used to joke around um, very seldom would a situation, you know, evolve into something, you know, somebody being offense uh, offended and a reprimandation come around. Um, but, uh, you know, a half heart, a lighthearted joke in good context, you know, it's hilarious. We're it is. Seeing... I, I miss, I miss yeah. seeing racist jokes. Yeah. And we're seeing comedian, like that's when the cancel culture and everything associated with that started coming into play. Um, I think that if anybody is going to say free speech in Canada, it's going to be the comedians because the comedians have a platform where they can say whatever joke they want, not even being political, but any joke they want. And, uh, you know, they can do so without feeling, unless they're a Hollywoodized elite, like, for instance, Kevin Hart, they can say whatever they want, feel no repercussions to it. And I love it. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I think I truly believe that Ricky Gervais, Joe Rogan, David Chappelle, Bill Burr, uh, and, and some of the other comedians, you know, Tim Dillon, uh, Andrew Schultz, yep. you know, they will be the ones who save free speech. A hundred percent. And if not, at least they'll provide good content when we're in the gulags together. Yes. Yeah. Bill Burr too. Like not Bill Burr, Bill Maher as well. He's a supporter of free speech. He's a comedian, but he's just like, what the F is going on with this country, with this world? Bill Maher has come a long way. He came from being, uh, you know, uh, 
I don't know if he was an Obama supporter, but he, he did was. not like Donald Trump. Okay, I believe he was. But he did not like Donald Trump. And he was very yeah. critical at every opportunity that he had. Um, and he was, yeah, like you said, you know, I can see him being genuinely supportive of Barack Obama. He is absolutely against all of this progressive woke stuff, this cancel culture BS. Bill Maher's come a long way. I'm kind of, I'd say I'm impressed with him, but honestly, it should have happened sooner. Yeah, I yeah, ex- I feel the exact same way. But I did see an interview with him recently with Ben Shapiro saying, just to let you know, I still will vote Democrat. I'm like, really? After all this, I'm like, you wouldn't even go libertarian. After I'm like, you would, you would still. He's like, he's like, I, he's like, I'm not voting conservative. I'm like, so you complain about all this stuff that's happening and Mm -hmm. how worried you are, but your your actions are not. You're not action is not meeting your words. He literally complains about Gavin Newsom's policies all day, talking about vax mandates, talking about the mask mandates, how they're not working, talking about being double vaccinated and getting COVID. Uh, And he's still going to vote for people like Gavin Newsom. That is that is cognitive dissonance at its finest. Mm -hmm. Listen, that's I think that's being tribal people. That's the thing is people are people can't say, you know what? I'm going to do something new. It's too, you know, brand loyalty can be a bad thing. Too much brand loyalty can be a brand th- a bad thing where yep. you're like, oh my goodness, you know, uh, so this ice cream sandwich has mold on it. I'm still buy it. You know, I remember a long time ago where there was this company, Blue Ribbon in America. It's an ice cream company. Mm-hmm. If everybody, everything revolves around food with me, everybody's audience. And they found listeria in their ice cream. And so I was talking to some friends of mine and I told them, you know, this is what happened. They found Listeria. They're like, yeah, I'm still going to buy it. I'm like, yo, they found Listeria in your ice cream and they try to cover it up, but they got outed. Like and you, said, you some- still would buy that ice cream. They're like, yeah, I really like it. I've always bought uh, Blue Ribbon. I'm like, yo, there's Haagen-Dazs, there's Ben and Jerry's, uh, there's all these other niche brands of, uh, you know, Talenti and all these other things, all these Amer- amazing American ice cream band- brands, but they won't switch. I'm like, yo, that's a, you got a problem. Like, it's okay to switch something. Yep. You don't have to ride or die with something for the, literally for the rest of your life. If it's not suiting your needs, if it's become a toxic situation, you could drop it like a hot, you know, like a, I wouldn't say a hot potato, but you could drop it like a bad habit. You know what? I've seen that happen a lot right now uh, in a different industry. I've been seeing it happen in the financial sector. So with the seizing of accounts that took place in the trucker convoy, um, and I'm not exaggerating here, people who donated $30 to the trucker convoy, uh, they had their accounts frozen. A lot of people are fearful that their account is next. So a lot of people are leaving the major financial institutions in Canada and going elsewhere. For those who don't know, the top four banks in Canada, give or take, are RBC, uh, Toronto Dominion Bank, the Bank of Montreal, Scotiabank, I think also CIBC is a big player too. A lot of people are taking their money out of these institutions and putting them in, for instance, credit unions, uh, smaller regional banks, um, because they they don't want exactly that. They don't want to be in a toxic relationship with their financial institution. Um, Again, I'm coming across people who acknowledge that it's wrong to seize accounts and they are mad that you know their host institution like bmo did it but they're not going to switch bank accounts because they have that brand loyalty it is so frustrating it's kind of like it's been ingrained in us humans are creatures of habits yeah and that and that's the thing and there's this what there was this viral tiktok video from this fantastic gay guy he's like he, he says, yo, let's give it up for the Samanthas. Um, if you guys don't know, he's talking about Samantha um, from Sex in the City. <laughs> the, the woman who played uh, Samantha, named, uh, the actress named Kim Bittrell. He's like, yo, let's give it up for the Samanthas. They said, fuck your reboot. Fuck your money. If you if this situation is not benefiting me, I don't care. I don't want to be in a toxic situation anymore. And that's the energy we all need in 2022. Say F you to all toxic situations that don't benefit you. And I was just like, yes, 
I mean, Kim Cattrall was offered millions of dollars to do the reboot for Sex and the City, but it was a toxic situation. Kim, Sarah Jessica Parker treated her like garbage. The other cast members you know, did, were not nice to her. And she was like, you know what? I don't care the fact that the fans want me to do this. I don't care that I've been playing this role for almost 20 years. I don't, you know, everybody knows me as this role. Everybody wants me, but this is a toxic situation and I'm out of here. I'm not signing that contract. I'm not doing it. And I was just like, yes, that is the energy we all need. Not just in 2022, but for the rest of our lives, it's leave toxic situations that don't benefit us. You have to be, you have to be ruthless in many ways. You have to be, you kind of have to be Putin. You got to be that cold hearted killer. You got to, you got to slice it at the, you know, at the, at the um, uh, throat. You got to go, that's not, that's not benefiting me. Got to, got to, you know, got to cut it out. Yep. Yeah, um... You just basically wrapped up this entire conversation. I couldn't put it better myself. Um, yeah, let's toxic situations in the past. Let's know what our values are. Let's stand up for it. And at the end of the day, let's let's not declare no fly zone over Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, and create yeah. World War Three. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, all right. I think that wraps it up for the people. Yeah, that wraps it up. This, yeah. Night. All and right. then also, I think also next, uh, ne- uh, the next podcast, we should talk about what's happening um, in the Ontario elections. Oh my goodness. Yes, we should. We should do an episode, just one episode on what's happening in Ontario and the Ontario upcoming elections. Yeah, that would be huge. For those who don't know, we've had Jim Carahalios, leader of the New Blue Party on uh, on this podcast before. And with the provincial election just months away now in Ontario. Yeah, we should definitely, we should get that conversation going. I love it. Mm-hmm. All right. I've been Anthony Zambito, as always, with Lucy Chan, and we will see you on our next episode. Thanks, everybody, and take care. All right, everybody. Goodbye.